Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Dr. Juan Floyd Thomas is an associate professor of African-American religious history at Vanderbilt Divinity School and the Graduate Department of Religion. Professor Floyd Thomas serves as the VP of the Society for the Study of Race, Ethnicity and Religion and is also a co-founder and an executive board member of the Black Religious Scholars Group. He's published a bunch of stuff, folks. I won't even list it all out here, but I'm excited to talk to this brother and excited to have him to continue on our segment that we call here the Tuesday Teaching. Dr. Floyd Thomas, welcome to Evening Words. Uh, good evening. Oh, good we, evening, Dr. Peterson. It's a pleasure to be with you as always. Y- yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so, so we haven't even talked about this at all today, but I want to just start with saying today is the birthday of a legend in Black diasporic mm-hmm. history. Uh, uh, I hope folks know who, who, who Bob Marley is, but, but in case they don't, Dr. Floyd Thomas, talk to us about why, why this birthday is important and, 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 and think with our community a little bit about the significance of, of Bob Marley, especially now in the 21st century. All right. No, I, I love this. Uh, I love this opportunity to share with you all. Um, so the gentleman, uh, that Dr. Peterson was just, uh, lifting up, you know, um, who unfortunately left us way too soon and joined the ancestors at the ripe uh, young age of 36 years old back in 1981 was one Robert Nesta Marley. Um, he was uh, a Jamaican of, of biracial uh, um, descent. You know, um, his father was a was a white British uh, um, citizen. His mother was an Afro Jamaican woman. And so um, growing up in that time, in the early part of the 20th century, when Jamaica was still a, a colonized uh, nation under the under uh, British rule, what we see happening is Marley tries to find himself. And uh, at that time, even pre-independence, independence for the nation of, of Jamaica wouldn't come until the early 1960s. Mm-hmm. But you're still seeing some of the patterns of, of black struggle across across the globe take place. Right. He's trying to find himself in a world that is defined by white and black, mm-hmm. rich and poor, um, the colonized and a colonizer. Mm. Right. And, and so along his way, he, he eventually develops a, a, not just even a love, but a passion for music. And part of his journey is. Um, he leaves his his homeland of Jamaica, especially by the tail end of the 1960s. He'll spend some time in the United States. Mm-hmm. And in that that time, he'd already heard a little bit of Motown, a little bit of, you know, uh, rhythm and blues. James and, Brown. And, uh, um, mm-hmm. You know, gospel all come with it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You get a taste for, you know, you know, you know, he's here in Aretha. You know, he, you know, he's really. Uh, to tell the truth, he's really captivated by a lot of the singing groups. So you're mm-hmm. thinking Temptations, mm-hmm. you're thinking uh, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions, mm. right? They're starting to capture his imagination. So even as he's uh, taking jobs as an auto worker, especially uh, in our stretch, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a Jersey boy, and I know uh, 
you're Philly all day, every I'm, day. I'm originally from Jersey, bro. I did not know you oh, from. I'm originally know. from Newark, New Jersey. I'm originally from Newark, New all Jersey. All right, lessons learned, man. See? Okay, See? all right. See, respect. Okay, Brick City in the house. Yes. All right. Yes, yes, <laughs> okay. yes. Speak that, brother. Speak that. All right. Speak that truth. Uh, so uh, Marley, you know, comes up to the U.S. and is getting, you know, like, um, you know. Uh, manual labor jobs, you know, uh, um, I did not know he worked jobs. in the auto industry. That's incredible. Yo. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, and you know, I mean, this is hard work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we know this now, you know, especially in the wake of this hot labor summer we just had, right? Where the auto workers were able to, you know, stand up for themselves and get their, their benefits. That's right. Right. So he goes back to Jamaica now, right? Not only with a little bit of money in his pocket, but more importantly, he's got a, a burning passion in his heart. And what he's able to do is bring back uh, a lot of the African-American music that, that he's gotten, but mix it in with uh, native Jam- uh, Jamaican music at that time, uh, Mento and, and Ska. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the pioneers, not the only, but one of the, the chief architects and pioneers in creating what we now know as reggae. Mm-hmm. Right. And so his original crew was known as uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers, mm-hmm. right? So that's that singing group I was I was getting at. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the the tr- principal players aside from himself were Bunny Whaler and uh Peter Tosh. Mm-hmm. Right. And each one of them had sewn up a, a different kind of component of, you know, uh what we would nowadays refer to as uh black magic, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Bob's out front, he's he's the, you know, He's the, the rebel or, you know, he's the one who's, you know, um, captivating folk. But then you've got Bunny Whaler who eventually would develop this more mystical and spiritual uh, mm-hmm. aspect of his persona. And then last but not least, you have all the way live Peter Tosh. He's the revolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, folks, especially in the decriminalization of, of cannabis movement, if y'all, be the the slogan or or take up the call for legalize it you got peter tosh to thank for that wow okay so right they're three they're this three-headed hydra Mm -hmm. but as uh time goes on and as uh their fame and popularity grows and uh many of us are familiar with this from uh the the situation surrounding uh folks like the mac uh the jackson five Right. right where a group becomes sensationally popular and then uh, the the music industry wants to split off the lead mm-hmm. singer from the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with you know Diana Ross and the Supremes. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Gladys right? Knight in the as, Pips. <laughs> there you go. As soon as you put that amber sand, that and sign mm-hmm. in the middle, you mm-hmm. already feel that that knife coming to split them up. Um, so eventually, uh, by uh, the early 1970s. Bob and uh, the rest of the crew talking about Peter Tosh and Bunny Whaler uh, part ways mm-hmm. somewhat amicably, but you know, un- unfortunately I would mm-hmm. say, because I don't think the unit was ever as, as good as when they were all together. Um, but, uh, but Bob as a representative of uh, not just the nation of Jamaica, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll touch on this in a moment, mm-hmm. but also as a, a, a spokesperson for his religious tradition, uh, the Rastafari, uh, um, religious, uh, mm-hmm, movement. Mm-hmm. And then also, last but certainly not least, um, as a, as I mentioned before, you know, him as a driving force for the evolution of what would become known as reggae music. Mm. I, I, you know, I think he has made one of the rock solid contributions, especially in the latter half of the 20th century in terms of black culture, mm. black faith, 
and black politics. And so, uh, part I, of Oh, I'm sorry. It, it, no, 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 but I, I want you to keep going because you, you're dropping the knowledge and the gems, good brother, and, and our audience <laughs> loves that. They're they're loving okay. it on, on Facebook. A, cu- a couple of couple of things. Okay. Uh, um, you know, I, I do want to circle back to the religious piece of it because I think Rastafarianism mm-hmm. still gets stereotyped and demonized in certain ways. But bef- before we 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 dive deep, because I know you're a religious studies scholar. Before we dive deep into that, during our kind of pre-production email and text exchanges you mm-hmm. refer to bob marley as a black atlantic artist and i would mm-hmm. love for you to take a little bit of time during this teaching to share with folks what the theoretical concept is of the black atlantic and mm-hmm. and why you use that as i think an appropriate descriptor of the kind of artist that bob marley was and is all right oof I mean, I came to the right place at the right time talking to the <laughs> right person. Okay, let's go. Um, all right. We, this is the teaching, brother. We got to teach. This is, we, this is, we, this is the, that's, that's the charge for the segment. We got to do some teaching right. here. Let's go. Okay, man. I'm, I'm glad I, I took my vitamins this morning. <laughs> um, uh, so let's, let's go back just for a hot second. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the mid 1990s, uh, a black British, uh, sociologist and, and uh, theorist by the mm. name of Paul Gilroy. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Shout out to he Paul Gilroy. Shout out to Paul, Paul oh, Gilroy for sure. Shouts, shouts mm-hmm. to PG mm-hmm. all day. Um, he dropped the book, uh, the black Atlantic double consciousness and modernity. Mm. And, uh, what I would argue, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older, you know, a little bit more uh, chronologically gifted and biologically blessed than you are. But uh, <laughs> I know that when that book dropped for me as a, as a, a PhD student, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. It, it rocked and shocked the nation like the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm. I, I, part of what was important about it was, you know, him talking about, uh, you know, he was trying to expand the dialogue and the, the discourse beyond um, when talking about blackness, especially in the ranks of Africana studies, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it goes by different names, black studies, mm-hmm. you know, African-American studies. But but what we're talking about is trying to map the existence in the community of of African descended people around the world. That's right. And he he was trying to break us out of a, a strictly black Southern uh, kind of uh, mindset and perspective that, <clears throat> excuse me, that was not um was not more inclusive or more expansive, mm-hmm. right? So trying to uh, get us to think about, all right, it wasn't just a linear movement of, of you know, Africans coming from the continent, coming from the motherland and landing strictly and solely in like the Southern uh, U.S. That's right. right. But in fact, right, we're wrapping around this whole space and place known as the Atlantic world. Mm. And more importantly, and, and in some people's opinion, more controversially, he, he was trying to decenter, uh, you know, a, a kind of vision of, of Southern blackness as mm-hmm. the be all and end all of, of the debate and the discussion and trying to bring his own kind of experience as someone who's black and European. Mm-hmm. He's like, the black Brits are here too. The black Brits are here right. too. <laughs> right. right. You know, come on. And mm-hmm. then also, uh, you know, all them little islands in the sea, That's right? right? You know, places like Jamaica, Haiti, Cuba, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, uh, St. Kitts, Nevis, right? That they all have, you know, let's not forget uh, Trinidad and Tobago, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that the conversation and the, the complexity of black identity 
had to expand, had to grow. Mm-hmm. And also tapping into especially the um the kind of revolutionary spirit and the radical politics that was abundantly available in these spaces and places, mm. right? So, you know, uh, you know, tapping back into um, Bob Marley and his importance, right? Um, one thing I, that made me think about this is, as you quoted rightfully, uh, today would have been his 79th birthday, mm. you know, so shouts to uh, the late, great Bob Marley on mm-hmm. that note. Mm-hmm. But also it made me think about um, back in 1979, right? Um, I, I would say... Uh, in late October of that year, right between October 25th and 28th, mm-hmm. he had a four night engagement at the Apollo theater. Wow. And yeah. And I mean, this is important, right? Because in thinking about this black Atlantic, uh, kind of, uh, culture identity and, and, uh, uh radical politics, mm-hmm. he was promoting the album at that time, uh, um, survival. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of, you know, it's, his second to last album, I think it's one of his greatest. Wow. Uh, you know, most folk, if, you know, and I'm aging myself here by talking about CDs, but uh, <laughs> once upon a time, not long ago. I'm old enough to remember CDs for sure. Okay, I, tiny, still tiny tiny CDs. I still have some oh, CDs. I still have some CDs. Oh, I've got mad CDs, man. Uh, you know, crazy amount. But, uh, uh, you know, in many a college dorm room or whatever you'd see mm-hmm. the legend cd mm-hmm. it was a compilation of his greatest hits mm-hmm. and unfortunately people kind of in many regards you know just kind of box bob in based on that that's right but um yeah but uh but his album survival was strictly about uh politics revolutionary politics especially hovering around the continent of africa one of his best songs in my opinion was uh a cut second cut on the album called Zimbabwe mm. and the the refrain of that is every man has the right to 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 decide his own destiny mm. i mean you know and he was talking about now we could have a whole other conversation that you got to invite me back in terms of oh the, that's a um, definite bro you're definitely getting okay. the but listen, oh, bro, no, we, no, was, listen brother but listen brother we got to take a quick we got to take saying. a quick we got to take a quick break brother let's take a break and we're gonna okay, we're gonna pick go. it right back when we come back you're listening to evening words i'm your host dr james peterson we are live on wrd 900 am 96.1 fm we are deep deep into the <laughs> teaching conversation around the legendary Bob Marley with Dr. Floyd Thomas, who's an associate professor of African-American religious history at Vanderbilt Divinity School and the Graduate Department of Religion. We'll be back right after these messages. And now back to Evening Words with Dr. James Peterson on WURD, progressive black talk media. Welcome back to Evening Words. I'm your host, Dr. James Peterson. We are live on WRD, 900 AM, 96.1 FM. We are deep into our teach-in segment with Dr. Juan Floyd Thomas, who's an associate professor of African-American religious history at Vanderbilt Divinity School and the Graduate Department of Religion. Dr. Floyd Thomas, I want to revisit the comparative analysis you're making between legend, the compilation record, which is, you know, globally all the sales and all that and survival, which you're arguing is one of the great, uh, uh, um, uh, albums, uh, uh, produced by, by Bob Marley. And, and the reason why I just want to rehearse that one once before we move on to a couple other things and before we get out of here is, is that when I think about that descriptor that you use, when I think about how you applied the black Atlantic to Bob Marley's work, one of the things that is uh, really impressive to me about that is, is that a lot of people think about an album like Legend 
and they feel like Dr. Floyd Thomas, can you hear me? Oh, we can't hear you, sir. We can't hear you. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. It's okay. Sorry, man. No, 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 no. It, the, it, when I, when I, when I think about, um, um, legend and its success and Bob Marley's success overall, I get the mm-hmm. sense that, that it's that black Atlantic popularity that really drives that. So we often think about crossing over in, and white audiences, you know, learning mm-hmm. about an artist and then making that artist successful. But th- the reason that that Black Atlantic descriptor really blew my mind is because it actually is all those other black communities all over the Black Atlantic diaspora, if you will. Yeah. yeah. That pushed reggae music and pushed Bob Marley into that global mainstream that, that I, I believe he still enjoys. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, we can link this to that that uh, um, compilation best of uh, album legend. Mm-hmm. We can also uh, connect this to the upcoming film about uh, the biopic on Bob Marley's life called uh, Bob Marley One Love that's mm-hmm. about to drop on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you, you seen know, the film idea. yet? Have you seen the film yet? Doc? No, no, okay, I have okay, not. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I'm debating. I'm debating. I'm going to see it. I'm going to support it. You know, because when when they drop a black flick in your neighborhood, you know, you gotta you gotta put in you know put in the time. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, but you know, but but then comes in the the challenge of representation, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, because a lot of us, uh, you know, you think about a movie like Ray and what uh, um, Jamie Foxx was able to do in that Oscar winning role, mm-hmm. transforming uh, um the life of life and times of Ray Charles in that way. Mm-hmm. But then also um, we've also seen this where uh, filmmakers have tried to sanitize our heroes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think about like some of the depictions of, of uh, Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. right. Um, that have, that have come across, right. Uh, at one point, Morgan Freeman uh, portrayed uh, Mandela in Invictus. And then I think also uh, Idris Elba mm-hmm. in A Long Walk Toward Freedom. He played him as a revolutionary. Idris Elba played right, him as a revolutionary. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But then but then also uh, think about uh, what the reception of of that portrayal was. Right. Mm. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm also thinking about uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if it hadn't been for COVID, I don't know if uh, Kaluuya would have been able to grab that that Oscar because mm. uh hollywood didn't know what hit them when uh when they put that one out but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> that's a whole other conversation doc <laughs> okay yes. but um but uh survival as an album as a as a cultural production mm-hmm. was very much steep in the kind of philosophy and radical politics of uh marcus garvey who mm. was a not only a pioneer of pan-africanism but also a spiritual um uh forebearer and and uh guiding light of uh, Rastafari religion, mm. right? Um, and we can touch to that. Um, so, for instance, one of the key songs on that album is Af- Africa Unite. And he and Bob Marley here was very much talking about how um, the post-colonial nations that emerged on the African continent had to overthrow not just the political uh, shackles, but also the economic and more importantly, the cultural shackles mm. of, of uh, Eurocentric uh, domination. So why it was important for Marley to go to Harlem? Not only was he trying to connect with, you know, a black New York crowd mm-hmm. at that time in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. At, at the, the Apollo. At the cusp of the At 80s, the epicenter at the of, of black Harlem. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's get it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Let's, let's talk about it. Right. You know, the, the home of heroes. But it wasn't as if he was desperate for the loot. Now, granted, you know, he was he was already a few days later. He was going to um, 
have he was going to take the stage at, at Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. just a couple of days earlier. He he was on tour with uh, Stevie Wonder, which mm. you know I just wish I was born a couple of years earlier mm. so I could have been up in that joint mm. to see Stevie and, and Bob together. But you know, so it wasn't just about you know cash flow mm-hmm. or whatever. He wanted to connect with the crowd, and what we can understand is. Um, uh, you you already have a kind of cross cultural uh, um, schism and beef between African Americans and West Indians at this period of time mm-hmm. that we, we're still trying to sort out in yep. terms of you know folk who are homegrown native born Americans versus immigrant newcomers mm-hmm. and everything that that you know triangulates. But you also had during this period a kind of sense, situation of a post Woodstock and post Black Power aesthetic. Mm. And and a kind of cultural politic that was being uh, played out. So, you know, uh, for folk, especially in the in the Philadelphia area, this this is not a direct one to one to one correlation or connection. Mm-hmm. But um, to think about how uh, some some folk in Philly, especially in West Philly, felt a kind of way about the Move uh, organization, the that, Move family. That's right. During the, the late seventies and early eighties. That's right. Right. You see these folk with dreads. You see these folks with different religions. That's right. People try uh, to erase that history, but some beliefs. of the people in that neighborhood did not want the Move folks in that neighborhood. Could not deal with it, and you know they they, they you know they they kind of uh, cloak this in property values or mm. or personal uh, personal respectability politics. Mm. But a large part of this was right. Y'all, y'all making us look bad. Y'all, you know, I'm tired of y'all. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't understand you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there was a similar kind of, of, uh, tug of war going on with the Rasafari movement and its, and its members of which Bob was a proud, uh, proud devotee. Mm-hmm. So Bob making his way to Harlem was not only connecting with those kind of spiritual roots of, of Garvey and the UNIA, mm-hmm. talking about the Universal Negro Improvement Association, That's right. but also the Harlem Renaissance. He was also trying to lock in to Alain Locke. He was mm. trying to tap into the spaces and places that made folks like Zora Neale Hurston mm-hmm. and County Cullen and mm-hmm. Langston Hughes and W.B. Du Bois and, and countless other folks. Uh, you know, you know, you think about your Richard Wrights and your your Baldwin's. That's right. right. He's he's locking into that spiritual tradition, and also bringing his talk about tear down Babylon, mm. right? And Babylon being the the Rastafari symbol for Western uh, brainwashing and domination, mm. right? You know, he he's trying to talk about this notion, like I said before, of Africa. Mm-hmm. And Africa not just being the motherland, but also all the children of Africa mm-hmm. uniting. Mm-hmm. And so it, how better to demonstrate this than to go to this this haven, this this heavenly hotspot of, of black identity, of black intellectualism, of black culture and faith as Harlem. Right. Mm. And I think that that is something that, you know, now, you know, we just saw the Grammys. Uh, what is it? A couple of nights couple ago. Nights ago. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, on the one hand, you got Afro Beats being represented on stage. Afro you know, Beats is on a come up. Burner thing. Boy and all of the whole shout out to all the Afro Beats fans for sure. Okay, shouts, shout out. But then on the, on the flip side of that, the hip hop categories, the R&B categories are, are kept in the back room. And, you know, unfortunately, Killer Mike, you know, uh, Asheville's uh, greatest, where right? he gets handcuffed and dragged off, you know, yep. For mysterious and still undetermined uh, purposes. How about that? 
And then, uh, you know, to have Jay-Z get up on stage and I think, you know, uh, shouts to Jay, right? Calling out the, the Grammys. The Academy. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. For, right. And rightfully so for, uh, sustaining and maintaining a, a kind of segregated, uh, mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. whereby even his own wife and, you know, he had some ulterior motives here, but he was also right. Um, he just gave the facts. facts. He just gave the facts about, about, about his wife. I mean, that's, that I those mean, are facts. Serious. Yeah. And what he said, I loved it. He's like, oh, sorry. But when I get nervous, I tell the truth. Listen, listen, Dr. Floyd Thomas, we got like one minute left. So I want, I want you to close this out. Yeah, okay. we got like one minute left on the program before before my producer Let's starts playing the going away music. Go ahead. Close this out, brother. Okay. Tell, tell, tell everybody, right, so- tell everybody, you know, everyone's going to go out and buy survival right now just because of your <laughs> re- re- recommendation. And, and I don't know, brother, but to me, it sounds like you have a book about Bob Marley in your head. Are you working on a project on Bob Marley? We can't hear you, good brother. Uh, go ahead. Oh my god! No, we hear you now. We hear you. Can go you ahead. Hear me now. Yes, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, Thirty seconds or less. I'm I'm wrapping Bob, and this story is part of a larger story about the religious history of Harlem. Ah. And god. so, um, talking about Harlem as a kind of crossroads of black religion, black politics, black culture. And so, um, I thank you for this opportunity to lift him up because I think he's part of a building block. He's one building block in a larger. Uh, um, with you know, without we're, without we're question, at. brother. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm telling you, you will have the media request in your inbox. We got to have you back on and we can talk <laughs> about 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 so many things. You've been listening to Dr. Juan Floyd Thomas, who's an associate professor of African American religious history at Vanderbilt Divinity School and the Graduate Department of Religion. All kinds of incredible publications that we don't have time to list mm. out because we got to hop off the air. But Dr. Floyd Thomas, thank you so much for joining us for the Tuesday teaching here on Evening Words. And we can't wait to get you back on. Listen, folks. You call, I'll answer. Uh, thank, thank you, sir. You. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, All right. thank Bless you. you. Bless you, good brother. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.